You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You guys probably got plenty, plenty to discuss with the game itself, how it played out, quarterbacks. Run game looking good. Defense, some good, some bad, some neutral. We'll see what happens. Uh, of course, competition ramps up in a couple weeks, but uh, I think expect a lot of the same versus USF this week. I think the biggest question too. I think I, I see a lot of people throwing it out there too. Is just what the staff was putting out there. You know, of course. Yeah, I think you run what you're comfortable with uh, and go with that. And, of course, I mean, you're not running a full playbook. I mean, you're not really running a full playbook versus too much anybody week in and week out. You, know, you got your game plan. You stick with your game plan uh, that you work on all week. But uh, can't, uh, you know, the game plan this week probably wasn't that expansive um, when, you get, when you go and look at it. Um, at least for offense, you know, I think uh, started off well. I think when you go and if you – a popular topic is when things don't look good is to say, well, you know, we're saving some things. We're not running the full playbook, all that good stuff. Well, I mean, that's probably true to a point. But there are some things even on a base level that should be done uh, and should uh, should look like it's, you know, been worked on, been done before. Uh, you know what you're doing out there. and. I think that's where a lot of the probably frustration from the Emory side comes in is, you know, just the, the off-target throws, uh, the, the staring down, not going through progressions, looking at one reap, you know, just that stuff uh, that uh, that the basics, no matter what plays you're running, probably weren't there. So, and then you had the excitement of, of Anthony Richardson coming in. Uh, it hit some plays. So you had some polar opposites there as far as what got ex, uh, the fans excited. And, you know, we'll talk to Dan Mullen today. He will talk to the media today. Um, fully expect the uh, thought, the same thought process of Emory's a starter. And that's how we'll go into the game versus USF. So take that how you will. Pretty much. I think expected at least for this game as well to kind of see if Emory can bounce back. Look, I don't think that's I don't think that's Emory Jones. Now I'm not saying Emory Jones will go out there and be a Heisman contender. You know, I never really thought that in the first place anyway. But I also don't think he's that bad. Uh, I I do think we need to get that out there too. I I do think it was a bad night. Now, like I said, the worry is the things, and I said this on yesterday's podcast. If you haven't checked it out yet, check it out after this. But the things he struggled in were the things that we had heard spring and fall. 
were the same things that he struggled in as well. The touch on the ball, the accuracy. Um, so, yeah, I think when you go back and pair it with that, that's where a lot of the worry comes from. But I don't. There's, I, I don't think he's. I don't think he's that bad, guys. I don't. I, I do think it was an off night. He did, you know, and the first couple of drives were 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 okay. We're pretty good. If he had played like that the whole game, we wouldn't be having this conversation. Uh, for 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 the for, for one thing, gets taken out. Ar comes in, uh, and Erie pretty much doesn't look the same the rest of the game. Now I'm not going to sit here and say that's the full full reasoning of him not looking good either, just because he got taken out and um, it messed with his rhythm and all that kind of stuff. I I think that's also an easy excuse, an easy way out to look at this. Could it have some effect? Absolutely, but I don't think uh, I don't think you go and just throw a dart at that part of it um so i don't think he's what he showed saturday night but you know starting this week starting versus usf if you're going to be the guy you're going to be the guy starting we have to see some improvement we we cannot go into the Bama game saying and looking like that and still having the the question if he's if he's going to be starting again uh, versus alabama because two bad games in a row versus opponents that it shouldn't necessarily be looking like that against that would uh, that would be the worry there for me. So I don't th- I, I do expect improvement. Now here's the thing: if somebody asked me this yesterday as well, and you know we can get you guys in here too if you want to come here and talk. Somebody asked me, uh, do I expect improvement from Emory for, versus USF? I said absolutely, absolutely I do. Uh, I do think he's better than what he showed Saturday, but at the same time, I also expect improvement from Anthony Richardson. I think both quarterbacks will end up looking better after getting the first game under their belt, uh, going out there and playing a good bit, and then taking that experience and going to game two. But I think I think both quarterbacks will end up looking better than what we saw uh, on Saturday night. So is it a true competition behind the scenes? I, I think it has to be. Um, I know a lot of people have, have the question of how long the leash is right now. Uh, that I, don't, I, I, I wish I had a good answer, which I could tell you I really don't know. Um, as far as that goes, I I don't think you can look as bad as you did second quarter on for Emory and expect to go out there and play a whole lot. Uh, so, uh, and and what happens in practice this week? Does he look like that in practice this week too? Uh, so I think if you see the improvement in practice, if you see the improvement in the game, you know, you, you'll, you'll move forward the rest of the season, uh, Emory the quarterback. But I think, uh, I know if it was me. And of course it's not. Uh, I, I'm taking a heavy assessment of practice this week, and where both guys are heading into uh, the, the USF game. And if it looks like it did Saturday night, maybe I do make the switch. Uh, but I fully, if you ask me right now, I completely expect Emory to be getting the first team reps Saturday versus USF, and maybe we just see more of Anthony Richardson. When it's when, it, when it's said and done, maybe it's a true fifty-fifty, all that, and eventually down the road. Uh, you you make your decision, but this may this USF game may be a true fifty fifty assessment game for both guys before Bama rolls into games until next week. So, all right, guys, let's get this started with you. Um, this is these these Twitter spaces are more about you than they are me. You guys get to hear me on the podcast all the time, all my thoughts. So, I don't, for the you know, I, I don't want to repeat myself a whole lot if I if I don't have to. Uh, if you haven't listened to the podcast yet, uh, do so. But you know, this thing, this thing here, is to get you guys more in here, kind of like a call-in show, of course, 
Uh, if you haven't done so yet, that's what we uh, what we'll be doing here. But what'd you like? Would you not like? Uh, what are your thoughts uh, on the QB situation? Uh, are we going overboard a little bit? Do we need to wait and see some more? I think I don't think there's a right or wrong answer there uh, as, as far as that goes. Uh, I think both sides have a legit argument. I am more on the conservative approach side, uh, so I I do mean. I'm not saying it was a bad night and we won't see it again. I'm just saying if it was, what if it was, give Emory one more versus USF, see how he reacts in practice this week, see how he reacts in the game next week, and then kind of just go from there. You know, I'm not uh, – I'm about as non-controversial as it can be uh, there when it comes to that, but the best guy should play. And, but I do think we don't make that determination after one game. And I'm not saying AR is not better or AR is not ultimately better. That's not what I'm saying at all. And I'm not saying Emory is or is not better, but I think one game shouldn't change. If Dan Mullen felt comfortable with Emory Jones being the quarterback game one, there's not enough right now to say he probably doesn't feel that way going into game two as well. So that that's basically kind of where I stand with the quarterback situation right now. All right. All right. Harrison, you're in here, man. You're muted right now if you're trying to get in here. You hear me there now? Go. Yep, gotcha. Perfect. I was watching, and I don't understand. Why were the corners playing so soft on the coverage? It was like their quarterback could play five-yard passes all day. <laughs> yeah, I talked about that on the podcast a little bit too, Dem. And I think what got on my nerves mostly about that, first of all, we saw it a lot last year. So why are we still seeing it after it, it bit this defense pretty hard last year? But also, Mullen mentioned after the game, yeah, we knew their quarterback was going to get the ball out quick. Well, if you knew the quarterback was going to get the ball out quick, why don't you tighten the coverage? Yeah. Uh, and, and knowing that you'll, you'll have defenders right there to make the play as soon as the ball's catched or make a play on the ball and get a turnover uh, or something like that. So that didn't – first of all, I didn't like it anyway. But then hearing, well, we knew the quarterback was going to get the ball out quick, but you still played off the receivers. didn't make a whole lot of sense uh, to me. I, there's this – there's this thing about Grantham's defense where he likes to you know, create pressure with his defensive front and then play safe behind that just to not to give up the big play. And I can understand that if you're playing a team that has proven that they can hit the big play and they have the big play ability. But I'm one of those where at least let that offense prove that first. You know, I say start aggressive and then peel back if you have to. Uh, they don't get me wrong. It's it was FAU. They were shutting them out. They were. I, I think we're at the point right now where we're just, we're going to have to live with teams getting yards and teams putting together strings of plays, uh, putting together drives, converting third downs, getting across the fifty yard line, and then see what the defense does. Uh, I I think that's well, for whatever reason that's what Grantham and his style just is conducive to right now. They're going to give up yards. They're going to give up third downs. And then they're going to try and be a bend, don't break defense. I don't like that. Uh, it's so. It, 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 I think another thing that gets on my nerves about this whole playing off the receivers thing, I don't remember that being so much of a deal in 2018 and 2019. And maybe that defense was just better and, and I missed that part. I don't remember us talking about, hey, why are the DBs playing so far off the receivers? We got that heavy last year, and that's when that, that conversation started pretty big. I don't remember that in the defense's past in 2018 and 2019. So I don't know if there's a trust issue. I don't know if he's just so scared of the big play he doesn't want to give it up. But at least schematically, we didn't see a whole lot different from the defense on, on, on Saturday night. Now, I think they got better pressure 
They were able to rush the quarterback. And if you get that consistently, that style of defense may work. But if you're not getting pressure, then I think we solved – we've seen too many times with Todd Grantham that for whatever reason, uh, these DBs are just playing off. And it's not that – I don't think they can't play man coverage and stick to the receivers. But you, to me, you're just – you're making it too easy on the quarterbacks. Even if there is pressure, if the DBs are nowhere near the receivers, all right, well, I can get the ball off and – We'll see if they can make something happen after the catch. And it's, in a way, been working for a lot of teams, at least getting yards uh, there. So um, I, the improvement I did see, there was no mass communication gaps. There was no guys being wide, left in quarantine wide open down the field, giving up easy scores. Um, I, I will say the easy score meant part of the defense, and it was FAU. So you know, we can take that into consideration, of course. Uh, but at least – you didn't have a receiver get behind the secondary just because they didn't communicate where guys were uh, and, and leaving guys open. So there was one improvement there uh, as far as you know, kind of taking it back to last year. But hopefully as the season goes on, I don't know. Maybe they got to see more. You know, bring these DBs up a little bit. You know, it, it's it is frustrating when it's third and four, and you know a second or two before the snap, Kyrie Elam's already backpedaling and and and, and uh, re- retreating from the DB. You know, so if the pass is to the receiver, he might can make a play on it. But there, on on a, a particular play I'm talking about, you have a running back coming out of the backfield, uh, and he catches the ball well enough in, in well enough time with nobody around him where he can make a play. He can make a run after the catch and get the first down because nobody's around him because everybody's backpedaling. If Kyrie Elam was on his receiver, the receiver was closer to the running back. He probably makes a play and stops it for uh, a stop, get a stop, and gets a stop on third down. But for whatever reason, that's still uh, a part of this defense that we're seeing, uh, and it's just going to be reliant on getting pressure, uh, and you know maybe reliant too much on, on getting pressure when you look at it that way. All right, bringing Perry in here. Guys, remember you are uh, being recorded on this. I'll post it up later. So, uh, you know, if you uh, hop in, you'll be recorded uh, here to uh, throw this out there. So, uh, Perry, you can uh, unmute yourself there and uh, get it. There we go. I was trying to do it, Dave. My question (laughs) is too big, buddy. (laughs) Good, man. Good. Well, thanks for having this show this morning because I was kind of starved. Bill didn't have a show this morning. That's crazy. Bill Bill usually has a show on Labor Day. Yeah, he's not having it today, but uh, okay. I was kind of starved. I'm working myself, and I just wanted to listen to something. Uh, did I miss it, or did Dewan Black start, or did I just not see it, or not used to his number, or what was the deal uh, with him? I'm not sure Dewan Black even played. I need to go That's back what and, I thought. And, That's yeah, what I and thought. Look, and really look in particular at the replay. I, I skimmed through the game one more time just to look at some particulars. Um, I know he did not record a stat at all. He was not on a stat sheet. Uh, well, I thought but, I didn't think I missed it that bad, but I was I was wondering yeah. about that. But you know, uh, I think Dave, we just got to get used to third and Grantham. I know we have the DBs to do it. I don't think they trust them yet. I think they're very young back there, and you know, beside Elam, that's about all you you got. I did see the safety stick his nose up in there and make some plays, and that yeah. was encouraging. Uh, Jamarcus Weston, I think he's going to come on and play very well. I was glad to see him on the field. You know. Uh, just their, I just think it is what it is when it comes to Grantham. I don't think we're never going to be happy with him. I think that's kind of where they were at Georgia. I was uh, 
you know, I know this is a Gator deal, but what did you think about FSU? What did you think about Georgia? I think you can see uh, you can see Muschamp's effect on the Georgia defense, but I, their offense does nothing to scare me because I don't think Clemson's that good on offense. Yeah, that could uh, that could be the true side of a Muschamp team. Uh, the offense not getting it done, and the, and the defense out there. I will. I, I'm going to tell you that uh, that um, that Georgia defense was something serious, that, especially up front, that defensive line. They abused Clemson. I think I think Clemson's offensive line still is an above-average offensive line, but uh, that uh, Georgia defensive front uh, completely, completely controlled the game. And, and then their questions were in secondary as well. And, they, and from what I could tell, now that game was on at the same time as Florida, so I didn't get to dive in. I did watch, I think, uh, pretty much the fourth quarter of that game yesterday. I saw it on the replay. A little bit, and their secondary guys were, were were sticking with the Clemson receivers for the most part as well. But it started up front for Georgia and that defense and what they were able to do with controlling Clemson all game. So, uh, yeah, you look at it that way. Uh, as far as Georgia getting a big win, no offensive touchdown, having to rely on a pick six there. So, I think there's a a whole lot of Clemson and Georgia we still don't know about that team that that game there. Um. Don't know how much of an indication it was for those two teams. Uh, when looking at that, um, I think you have two probably really, really good defenses uh, when you come about that way. And you know, Georgia, uh, I was talking to some of my Georgia friends, and they were saying in, in, in post game that JT Daniels was saying Clemson was dropping eight a lot. They were dropping eight guy, eight, eight defenders a lot and making it hard for him to pass the ball down the field. So he probably got a little frustrated uh, in, in that regard. But, look, I mean, we saw the same thing versus Kyle Trask last year, and you're still completing 20, 25, 30-yard uh, balls down the field. So uh, he's, he'll have to get better in that regard, I think. If, uh, I mean, Georgia's schedule eases up now. Of course, you, you look at the Florida game uh, right, right now, and that's pretty much about it. But uh, so nobody else will be able to play him as tough. Uh, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think Georgia started the started the receivers. I heard before the game they had one receiver that had caught like ten passes. They've just got a lot of injury there, and I think that's a problem. Yeah. I don't think nobody wants to talk about that. But you know, I'm yeah, just I think, they, I think like, they'll get some of those guys oh, back yeah. if I'm not mistaken. But uh, yeah, I think one or two of them, but they're still yeah. going to be shy. Gilbert really hurt them not being able to come on and play. Right. Yeah. And uh, that was a big Kirby was counting on that. But, uh, you know, I'm excited about Florida. I mean, we got a talent level higher than we've had. And, you know, I heard Dooley say the other day since 09, I kind of agree with him. And I think it's just going to take time to get a little experience. I'm a little concerned with Emory not being able to already read that a little bit better and be able to be a little bit quicker on those throws with time and being there so long. But you know what, boy, when he had a burst of speed and he took it, son, he's got some speed of his own. Yeah. And like I said, it, it, I think it can – I, I think whatever you say right now is probably right on both sides of the argument. I, I, I don't necessarily think it's an overreaction too much if you're worried. But also, I, I think that's a very valid part of what's going on right now is I do think um, if you say it's an overreaction, okay. If you don't say it's an overreaction, okay. I do think that there – I don't think the Emory we saw Saturday night is 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 Emory Jones. I think he's better than that. Now, what is the ceiling? Maybe maybe the expectation for how how the ceiling is can be changed a little bit. But I, I that is not Emory Jones we saw Saturday night. Uh, and I I still think even if even if he's whatever if you want to put a number on it and he played at a level five or four for you, you know, do, do you think he can get to a level ten? Do you think he can get to an eight or a nine? You know, that's a, probably more of a question that only 
whoever's thinking about it can answer. I can't I can't tell you that question answer for you or anything like that. But well, I can um, answer this for you. We got the best yeah. quarterback coach in the country, and I think yeah. he'll do just fine. And I just want to tell you something, Dave. I appreciate you keeping it real with us Florida fans, not spreading the propaganda of building it up like it's something that's not just being honest. You know, I watched the LSU team that had been propagandized so much by a certain personality on Bill's show that it was just shocking to see what UCLA did to them. And, you know, I just I just think you're really real with us and keep it, you know, like it's supposed to be and not spread propaganda, tell us the truth. And I will tell you, you do a good job, and I appreciate it as a Gator fan. Thanks, Barry, man. That's what I, I try to do. You know, I'm not I'm, I'm not out, I'm not out there to make headlines. Uh, that's just not what I do. Um, if I say it, I believe it, and that's just where it's coming to. So but I'm not saying I can't say anything crazy because I may, but just just know that I actually I, just know that I actually believe it. You know, and I'm not yeah, so. Uh, that's that's just the way I'll put stuff out there, and uh, and we'll, we'll talk about the team that way. So, uh, you know, I'm not going to sit here and bash people. You know, if you play bad, you play bad. I'll criticize. If you play good, I'll, you, you play good. I'll praise. Right. Uh, and that's just, that's just where it goes. Uh, and that's not to say you know things can't change. Things can absolutely change. Not not everything's an ultimate uh, comment. And you know, things well, are well. Coaching matters. That's what everybody forgets. Coaching matters. And uh, you can have all the talent in the world, but if you don't have good coaching, and I feel like we got a really good staff. You know, I'm not a Grantham lover. I don't like the bend, don't break. I think we have the athletes. When somebody tells you, oh, well, he got a young guy and he's only a four or five star, let me tell you what, that guy was ranked a four or five star for some reason. Yeah. And when he comes in there, he should be able to play press coverage right now. He should be able to go at it. That's why you give him a scholarship at that high level. And uh, I just think that, you know, Grantham is just – it's third in Grantham. It's always going to be that way. And, uh, you know, he's some years it's been awesome. Last year is probably the worst year he probably had as a – I know at Florida, but as a coach, you know, and yeah. that kind of deal. And, I mean, really, if you want to get honest with Grantham, you can't blame it all on him. If you follow the recruiting like I do, if you get down and look at the recruiting, we had a gap recruiting when it came to DBs. We missed on two yeah. or three guys we should have had, and that's what you saw last year. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. So uh, yeah, I think yeah, the front seven recruiting's been you know really good since Grantham's been here, especially linebacker yes. front position, uh, all that. So you know you hope you hope you see that out. But uh, yeah, you kind of go into your point now, and I was going to make this point anyway. Uh, look at all the experienced guys who made plays. Basically, maybe even carried this team a bit Saturday. Malik Davis, who's been around the program since 2017, probably the best player on offense all night long. Ventrell Miller, Jeremiah Moon, Zachary Carter. You know, you had a lot of veterans, guys, that were making the big plays in the game and the most consistent plays in the game. Uh, you know, Ventrell Miller leading the team in tackles. Straight Dean with six tackles as well. Uh, you know, Jeremiah Moon making plays, rushing the quarterback uh, for, for most of the game. So uh, Rick Wells getting his first touchdown and catching and leading the receivers with five oh, catches. Oh, is that a so, great story, Rick Wells? It, I mean, that's awesome. Just perseverance, man. Uh, absolutely. Uh, you know, waiting his time, uh, getting his time there. You know, to me, it doesn't matter if it was versus FAU. Like, you know, like, you know we would we, like to see Jacob Copeland play more and get more targets. Absolutely. Uh, but you know, I, I'm not worried about Jacob Copeland after what you know after him. But you, know, I, I kind of know what Jacob Copeland can do if he's out there and the quarterback's throwing the ball accurately to him. He's gonna he's gonna catch the ball. Uh, I, I expect that improvement from him uh, in that part of his game. But you know, Rick Wells getting his opportunity and making the most of his opportunity now. I mean, he had the bowl game versus Oklahoma last year. He had his chance and and, and showed up. Uh, this game versus FAU gets his chance, plays more, and leads the team with five catches, gets his first career touchdown. So, you know, credit to him for sticking around, 
Uh, he could have he could have easily transferred and, and went somewhere else too. And he's sit behind some really good receivers at, at a point in the last few years. So you wouldn't have faulted him to go. But now maybe five targets, five catches, one touchdown. Uh, one's a screenplay where he's got to make some play with his legs to get that touchdown. So good for him. Uh, yeah. Definitely, definitely happy to see it. We need to also, I mean, you know, Mullen's been great at keeping these guys in the system. He's been bringing guys yeah. in instead of guys leaving. And, you know, as much as I don't like Hevesy and as much as I'm not crazy about Delane, we got to give them a great, you know, they need a lot of kudos for, for their, you know, they're averaging 400 yards now starting the season out right. <laughs> the offensive line, we, you know, as much as we all like to criticize on Gator Twitter, it's time to give them some of their dues. I mean, no matter, you're playing Division One. I, I know it's not Alabama. No, it's not Georgia. But this is where you get improvements to build the blocks to get better. Put this way, Perry, and I agree with you there. Put this way, it's got to start somewhere. Amen. So it, 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 it was already they, at the bottom. So it had right, to if somewhere. they if, if they had went out there and couldn't run, if they no, don't get me wrong, could it have been? I mean, because some more of those short line goal line plays from the run game been a little better? Absolutely, of course, it wasn't a perfect game. But 400 yards, like you said, busted some big plays out there for, for these quarterbacks, mainly or running backs, mainly Malik Davis. If this offensive line had went out there and given up three sacks, and if they had went out there and only averaged, you know, four yards of carry, we would have heard about it. We, they would have been criticized. And, you know, too many times I think, you know, and this is a, a saying I stand by a lot, too many people don't get, a cre- don't get enough credit for the things they are supposed to do. And this yeah. offensive line was supposed to, you know, be better. And this offensive line was supposed to go out there and play a, a good game versus FAU, and they did that. Now, does that mean they're going to go out there and dominate Alabama and Kentucky and Missouri? No, but you got to start somewhere. And if oh, we would have right. saw, and if we would have saw, saw a bad play Saturday night, would have absolutely heard about it. They actually yep. played a good game. They played a good game in run blocking and pass blocking. So let's give them some kudos along the way. As I said, things are fluid. Things change just because you play good this week and we give you praise don't mean if you play bad next week, we're not going to criticize. We, we realize things change, but as, as I kind of said about how my approach, you know, I, I praise when praise is made, need, needed to be made and you know, critique when that's needed as well. Uh, so it, offensive line, I agree, up front, getting 400 yards, uh, not giving up a sack. You know, I thought I thought it was a good start for the offensive line. Yeah, and, you know, Hevesy is still – maybe he's not used to being – at Florida yet versus Mississippi State. <laughs> yeah. and, and his recruiting kind of shows that. But yeah. if there is a place that you can recruit a three-star and coach him up and give him to you, it is the offensive line. And, uh, you know, I just uh, – you know, we had a couple big players get out of Florida that we would have loved to have, one being Frankie Neal's boy, O'Neal at uh, Alabama. I would have loved for him to come out. He's from Okeechobee. I mean, you got out of here and went to Alabama. I understand the reason and everything, but – you know, we got to be able to get some of these guys to come here and be at Florida. You got to pull some of that every once in a while, like a Reggie Green. I mean, you just have to. Yep. And this is Florida, and it can be done. So we got to we got to work on that. And I know he's heading in the right direction. It looks a little better, but it's still not where it needs to be. Yeah, and, and, and I said this dating back to last season when when, when twenty twenty ended, and we're looking forward. We're looking toward twenty twenty one and and the differences in the team. It was going to be uh, what could uh, what could this offense offensive line do to to make themselves better? I think just going back more to that run approach was going to help John Hevesy help this offensive line look better than uh, what they had the last couple of years. It's going to be easier for this group to move forward forty times a game and run block forty times a game than it is to you know 
backpedal and pass block 40 times a game. I think that suits Stuart Reese. I think that suits uh, Gene DeLance a bit more. And I think that's what we saw versus FAU uh, in, in the first game of the season. That's what John Hibbsy knows how to coach for. That's what John Hibbsy knows how to develop for. Now, we do need uh, a raise in talent level at, at, at that position. And I do go back to, you know, and that's just my assessment for 2021. Now, I think we'll have to look we'll have to look down the road a little bit more. And Florida you know, is recruiting these drop back uh, or you know, more dual threat, but passing guys, guys that are going to stay in the pocket just a little bit more. And, you know, so when that comes back around in, in a few years, whether, whether it be Carlos Del Rio or Kitno or, or Evers there, if John Hennessy is still here, can he make the offensive line better than what we saw in 2019 and 2020? But for right now in 2021, this offensive style suits what he's coaching for, developed for, and what he has the players for. Yeah. You know, and let's cut Emory a little break, man. That's the first time he's actually in control. It's a big start in the swamp. First time we've had a game in a couple of years there. I mean, there's a lot of motion going on. You're going to get a little overhyped and pumped on a couple of throws, but his arm is strong enough and he gets comfortable. And he'll get comfortable by the time the Alabama game comes around. And, you know, but the good thing is we got two good quarterbacks. There you I mean, go. I mean, how many times we sit up here and we just wanted a quarterback the last 15 years? <laughs> I mean, you know, we just forget, you know, about how much Mullen has brought to this uh, brought to this team. Do we all want to win a national championship? Heck, yeah. Do we want to get there again? Yes. Are we able to under, uh, under uh, Mullen? Heck, yeah. Best chance we'll ever have. And, uh, you know, so I think we all need to be excited and happy and, you know, let the coaches be coaches. Mullen knows what he's doing. He's proved it. Yeah, like I said, you know, I, I think uh, that, that that is not Emory we saw Saturday night. I do expect him to be better, but I expect AR to be better too. And if it eventually – I think we'll get to a point to where if AR is the guy, then it's going to be because he ended up beating out a good Emory Jones. Mm-hmm. I think I, I I think that's just the the way I'll put it. So, what was the what was the boy's ahead. name? Avery Hill was that the guy that started the freshman at uh, Avery Helm. Avery Helm. Yeah, yep. he was highly recruited. I think people forget that highly recruited. Yeah, yeah he put some weight on to get that second cornerback yeah. spot. You know, we'll see him uh, need to improve as well. You know, he he did have some guys get behind him a little bit, uh, but first start for him as well. So you know, it's hard to make an ultimate. Uh, determination on anybody uh, after one game. So, you know, we'll see where that goes. I like what I, the little bit I saw from Jason Marshall. We had that pass interference call as well, but right there yeah. on the uh, on the receiver. So, we'll see what happens in that second quarterback spot. Well, thanks for letting me talk. Uh, I didn't mean to go that long, but nobody Are you good? jumping in. <laughs> All good. I, I got a couple more right here. Thank you. Have a nice day. Appreciate it. Thanks, Bye. Barry. All right. What's up, Coach Tom? Nope, you're on mute. Hey, uh, there we go. There you go. Yep. Hey, hey, Dave, how's it going this morning, man? Good. How about you? <laughs> hey, long weekend of watching football. So I'm um, getting ready. Hey, hey, and, and I still got one more tonight to go. So, <laughs> <laughs> hey, but you know what? Like everybody said, fantastic to see um, that swamp absolutely the way I remember it. Just absolutely oh, man. electric, man. Yeah, I, I, I was, you know, we didn't know uh, what it was going to look like. Uh, uh, I, I know people who had tickets for sale. Uh, that were still unsold going in, you know, later into the week. But getting down there on Saturday morning, really, really early. Uh, but seeing how many people showed up at our tailgate and then walking around, you know, meeting people at other tailgates and stuff. And I was like, okay, never mind. This is, uh, you know, it's uh, this is this is the Gainesville I remember from a couple of years ago. You know, I was worried if, you know, with 
you know, not to get political or anything like that, but you know, there is. The, I know what you're saying. Out, yeah. yeah. Oh, COVID outbreak. And you just didn't know how many people were going to show up uh, right. there. But uh, once we walked inside of that stadium, you saw the student side start filling up. I was like, there we go. This is, uh, this is what we've been waiting for. I think a lot of people were, we're waiting for it as well, and that swamp was that swamp was rocking uh, for for you know for an FAU game and mm-hmm. uh, you know first game of the season for an opponent that uh, you know that a lot of lot not a lot of fans were going to get excited for. I think a lot of fans were just excited to see the game of football being played in person. Right, hey Gabe. So I'm getting ready to queue up the uh, queue up that game here probably in the next hour. So uh, just your thoughts as far as um, I, I know the criticism, I, I kind of like you um, with with some of the messages I got about about Emory. I'm going to flip it over to the wide receivers. So just what was your initial thoughts as far as them, the wide receivers, especially on the outside? Were they winning, you know, their one-on-one matchups? Or because when you got a, in this in this case, I'm, I'm going to treat Emory like a, like a true freshman because this okay. was his first real start. Your wide receivers have to help your, your, your young quarterback out yeah. by, by winning those routes, by, you know, running precise routes. If it's a 10-yard route, it's got to be run at 10. And showing that quarterback quarterback those numbers, and then when when the quarterback does throw it on target, you got to make the catch. So just what were your thoughts as far as how the wide receivers looked on the outside in their individual matchups? Yeah, it, you know what? That is one aspect uh, that I was actually going to go look at more today. Um, mm-hmm. I, I wish there was a way – I. We could get all the the, the all twenty two. The twenty two <laughs> copy, yeah. Yeah, because there are, you know, some questions on how much separation the wide receivers were possibly getting because when you when you look at the game today and I know I know you'll go back and watch it, you'll see Emory really concentrate on the middle of the field. There were not mm-hmm. a lot of outside routes or a lot of outside throws. There were not a lot of uh, deep throws, uh, whether it be down the middle or or on the sidelines or on the edges. It was a lot of concentrated intermediate throws in the middle, and mm-hmm. a lot of them were uh, inaccurate. They were behind or low um, right there, and even some of the screens, some of the easier passes were you know low. The receivers you know couldn't really make a clean catch and you know get right. up the field as fast as they needed to. Uh, that's one more thing I'm going to go back and try and look at today myself is you know the receivers see. Just from the TV broadcast, if we can actually see the separation and see if there uh, was what, what was it there or not, uh, because in this, you know, in, in this, uh, and I'll give FAU some credit. Now it was a you know, conference USA schedule last year, but they had a really you know a, a pretty good for them passing mm-hmm. chance last year. So yeah, I think you know weigh that however much you want to weigh it, but you st- either way you still expect Florida receivers to be able to you know, create separation, get open for their quarterback. So that's one more thing I want to look at today as well. I know some of those throws over the, in the middle, you'll notice to, to Trent Whittemore, uh, him, him going over the middle. Um, I would say there was not a ton of separation, but enough there to, you know, make, make a clean catch, be able to make the catch, but the throw was just a little behind or just a little low uh, and all that. So, you know, and, and, and something else to look for as far as Embry goes, you look at the first two drives, Florida drove down, got up 14 nothing. He gets okay. taken out for Anthony Richardson. And then, you know, comes back in and starts struggling after that. Now, I don't want to sit here and make the easy say, well, you know, he just got out of his rhythm. I, I don't necessarily believe that, mm-hmm. but that, that could be part of the issue there. Um, and he'll, you hit that first interception he throws, Anthony Richardson's driving the team down the field. Mm-hmm. His, helmet com- his helmet comes off. And Emory comes in the game and then throws the pick. So, you know, kind of a weird, uh, weird, weird sequence of plays. But, uh, you know, that, that's kind of where it started 
when you wanted to look at maybe the game changing a little bit for Miri. Uh, I think you got a little frustrated at, at times, like I said. You know, and this may be easy, maybe even easy for me to say, you know, maybe looking through some orange and blue glasses here that I don't think that's the – like I said, I, I think Emory's better than what we saw on Saturday night. Um, hopefully that's not orange and blue glasses talking. Uh, but, you know, we'll see, we'll see where it goes. But uh, those are just, you know, a couple things to look for as, uh, as far as the game goes on. After you know, the first couple of drives and then after that third drive when Anthony Richardson comes in, to kind of maybe see how it affected Emory Jones. And, and one of the things that – and this is something that, you know, just being around quarterbacks who are, are – are, I won't say completely looking over his shoulder, but, I mean, Emory's hearing, hearing the talk. And I, oh, yeah. I honestly think that that last INT, because I did get a chance to see that one live, he was absolutely pressing on that throw. I mean, that's a, yeah. that's a throw where – and you could see Dan Mullen talking to him as he comes off. He's like, it, it's not there. It, it, you could almost read Dan's lips saying – the throw wasn't there. So I think seeing, seeing AR have some success early, which as a teammate you want to see, but as a quarterback, you're, you're wanting to say, Hey, look, this is my offense. I think, I think that last INT, he was, he was absolutely pressing, trying to force the throw that in any other circumstances he would, he wouldn't make. So you want to see him this week in practice and especially in, in next week's game, just really settle down, like mm-hmm. you said, play play the way he did uh, uh, the first two drives under control, and let everything else kind of kind of take care of itself. Yeah, and you know, and maybe maybe there's a mental aspect to this that he has to kind of get over. Maybe maybe the and this can be right or wrong uh, as mm-hmm. far as how you view Emory Jones and, and if it's right uh, that you know he should be in this situation. But maybe 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 that first start was just too much. Maybe it was just a little too much men- mentally. And now mm-hmm. he can settle down. He's got that under his belt, and this is where this, that, that's a takeoff point. That's something he can just look at and and use it as a taking off point. But um, you know, he'll definitely if he thought the microscope was on him before, it's, it's even more so now. So uh, we'll we'll see how he reacts to to all the questioning and all the all the words that are out there right now. Hey, as we all say, this is why you come to the University of Florida. I mean, that's right. That's right. If you if you don't want to have the pressure or the spotlight. <laughs> Uh, go to Vanderbilt. I, I, <laughs> I, I hate to put put it out there like that, but I mean, go to right. Vanderbilt because yeah. Florida Florida fans have an expectation, and rightfully so. I mean, three three national championships over the past uh, thirty years. There's a there's a level of expectations when you put on that uniform, and um, pressure is a good thing because it forces you to get better and. Uh, that's why you play big time college football. So, Dave, thanks for letting me jump in, my friend. And like I said, I'll break down um, kind of some yeah, of my shoot. notes, and I'll I'll, I'll touch. Yeah, shoot, shoot, shoot to me your way. Yeah, you got it. Thanks, man. All right, a couple more of you in here. What's up, Dave? Zach? What's up, baby? I'm, hey, Dave. Uh, Not much, man. I'm, I'm still I'm, I'm still recovering from Saturday a little bit, man. <laughs> That's what I said. I needed a day of rest, and 400 miles later, I'm back at home. Uh, <laughs> oh man, that, that that drive back to Jacksonville Saturday night was not uh, was not friendly. It was uh, it was not it was not good. But here's the thing, I have and maybe some of you can speak to this too. I have never seen so many deer in my life after driving from Gainesville to Jacksonville Saturday night. It was ridiculous. So that's uh that kept me on notice a little bit because I was like, that's the last thing I need is to be hitting a deer or like, you know, one one o'clock in the morning driving back to Gainesville. Or Jacksonville. So. Yeah, you see a lot of that up here, man. Uh you go mm-hmm. 
depths of the boonies of Georgia. You see a lot of it. Yeah. Here. Uh, I was just going to say, man, uh, not not a question or anything, but how about the offensive line and the push that they got in uh, the FAU game? You know, Malik Davis, he was out for since 2017. I just sit on an injury. And how about him, man? 140 yards, one touchdown. I'm really proud of Malik Davis, and I think the offensive line did a lot better. Um, I, I, I'd love to see that there's improvement on the offensive line. I know it was FAU, but – you know, you didn't really get to see that last year in any games. I know it was an all-SEC schedule, but now it, it seems now with the new offense and all that, the rushing game looks it looks pretty well. And Anthony Richardson, 160 yards, yeah, that that looked pretty well. I was just going to mention that, man. It's a little <laughs> bit underlooked was the offensive line. I think the offensive line was a lot better than it was last year. Yeah, like, and I was talking with Perry with that too. It's just like, yeah, they had to start somewhere, and at least the baseline, at least the baseline starts pretty good. Uh, and like you said, better than what we saw last year, uh, of course. And you know, uh, I think the quarterbacks can help them out too. Uh, you know, I thought we uh, Emory a couple of times made some good reads on the zone reads and, and and got some yards. Other times he probably should have kept the ball a little bit more. He could have got a little bit more yards, and the rushing total would have been even higher uh, there instead of handing off to the running back uh, at, at times. But yeah, I, I do like what we saw a good starting point for the offensive line. At least we're talking uh, good about him. And look, and I think one reason look, when you talk about an offensive line, Dave, and you said it's probably not talked about good uh, enough. That's a good thing because believe me, when it's not good, we they they are talked about a whole lot and why yeah. the offense maybe is struggling. When you don't bring up the offensive line, it's most of the time a good thing because that means they're doing their job, they're they're hitting their blocks, they're not giving up sacks. And that's just the nature of the business about the offensive line. Your good goes a lot overlooked, uh, and your bad gets magnified. Uh, but right now, I think you know that we should. And, and I even made sure I, I put a couple plays out yesterday, uh, and also you know, Gamble uh, well is springing uh, a block. But I made sure I put out yesterday on. Damian Pierce's touchdown where uh, FAU blitzes the linebacker. Pierce has to make the linebacker miss because there's just too many defenders to, to, to block. But then he has to run to the right to score that touchdown. And there's Gene DeLance and there's Stuart Reese holding their blocks, allowing Damian Pierce to get that touchdown. So uh, there's you know one improvement right there from two guys that we were looking for on that offensive line, the right side of that offensive line, to make sure uh, that uh, they've raised their level of play. There was a touchdown that you can contribute to those guys uh, later on in the game. Uh, then that one where uh, the Anthony Richardson 73-yard touchdown, I was like, all right, what, what made this play work besides Richardson keeping the ball in his own read, making the right decision? there uh but there was a a defender on the edge there with Kamori Gamble it's one-on-one Kamori Gamble makes his block and that springs Anthony Richardson 73 73 yards for a touchdown so uh you know there's that's still some more things I want to go look at back and looking at the game and seeing the offensive line uh the tight ends block as well and how much they helped there but I thought it was it's a definitely a good starting point for this offensive line and I think uh, you know t- hopefully a confidence builder take it into game two uh versus USF this week yeah, and one more thing before I leave for all the uh, people listening out there. There was only one SEC quarterback that didn't have a passing or rushing touchdown this week, and you guys can go ahead and answer that one. <laughs> well, since Georgia didn't score an offensive touchdown, I'm going JT Daniels. <laughs> I hope I'm right there. You are correct, Mr. Dave. <laughs> hey, Dave, how's it going? Good, Zach. How are you, man? Good. I got a question. How come yep, – uh, yep. Copeland didn't play much. Uh, that I don't know. Uh, let's see. He had three targets. Uh, one in the one catch for fifteen yards. I think he had the catch on the first third down conversion of the game. I think. Uh, so, but yeah, only targeted three times. 
Um, I can see where I mean Florida played a lot of players Saturday night. I think that was probably the plan coming in. So I think that could be contributed just a little bit of maybe some of the inconsistency where wherever you want to point to inconsistency in the game, I think that was probably part of it. It's just rolling so many guys in and out. And look, I'm, I, and I will be honest. I know a lot of people want to say, well, was it vanilla? Was it conservative? I think you can say those words and be right, but Mullen likes to tinker in these type of games. He 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 doesn't waste these games. He he likes to go out there and throw a lot of young players to get film on them and see where they're at and see what they bring to the table. And to an effect, I think it may hurt the older guys just a little bit of not getting into a rhythm uh, and being out there. But he wants to see how these young players play under the lights as well. In games like this where it's going to take a lot for Florida to lose a game like this. Now, don't get me wrong. We would like to see Florida more – uh, you know, up by more than 14 to nothing at halftime, sure. But, you know, that game, going back to the first point I made the podcast yesterday, the, the, the chances were there. And, and don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to make excuses or anything like that, but the, the chances were there. You know, the the, the score, the halftime, at, the, at least the halftime score, and, and the final score, too, to an extent, was not indicative of at least early on of how much Florida was dominating this game. Easy, easily could have been twenty-eight to nothing, uh, and you were still tinkering at that time too of bringing players in and out. So I, I just think you know a lot of players were getting in and there. I don't think anything happened to Jacob Copeland. I don't think it was a sign. I don't think it was an indication that uh, staff was upset with him or anything like that for any reason. I just think uh, just getting getting more uh, just get uh, getting more young guys in there who haven't really had a chance to play and getting and getting their feet under them. So we don't we'll see if it continues or anything like that. But it's nothing that uh, I, I'd be worried. I think it was nice seeing Lingard and Bowman, though. Yeah, it, it, we saw him early. I think it was the – I got to go back and look. I think I remember looking at it. Was it the third drive of the game? They came in with AR, and they were all three in the backfield at the same time. Uh, I'm, yeah, I maybe so. I'm, yeah, listen, maybe I'm misremembering that, but I think that was the point I tried to make. Uh, they, look, it, it's hard tweeting at a game, live at a game, <laughs> and trying to see uh, everything that's going on and keeping you guys updated on my thoughts during the game. So there's some things I miss uh, when watching the game live when I can't, you know, not watching it on TV and stuff at the same time. Uh, but I think, you know, we saw those guys early in the game and maybe earlier than some people thought we would. Uh, I mean, Malik Davis got the start at running back. Uh, he was the first running back on the field, uh, but we did see Lingard early. We did, we did see Bowman early. Bowman gets some early carries uh, as well. Um, look, his, his family, that it was fun. His family was at the tailgate with us. Uh, they uh, were tailgating a couple spots down from us and then ended up coming over and hanging out for uh, a couple times there. And I was talking to his dad, and his dad said, yeah, he, my son, Marcus says he's going to break about a 60 or 70 yarder tonight. So, you know, the confidence was there. We didn't get that, of course, but uh, the confidence <laughs> is there of DeMarcus Bowman, you know, being able to how, you know, how he'll fit in this offense and confident in himself to hit a big play uh, in this Gator offense. So, you know, that was fun to, to talk to them there. And you know, I'm glad we got to see uh, Lingard and Bowman. I'm glad we got to see him early, too. Yeah, I would have liked to see Lingard a little bit more, but. Yeah, same here. Yeah, I think he. He had yeah, two carries, six yards uh, there. But even still, like going back to last year, and I know we probably overanalyzed this, but when he was in versus Vanderbilt, you could see that speed. You could see a little bit different speed. I think we saw it there too. But, you know, hopefully yeah. he gets one of those runs where, you know, he just breaks off and he's able to show that speed. <clears throat> yeah. All right. Uh, anything else, man? Uh, I'm not sure. I don't think so. <laughs> All right. All good. All good. Thanks for hopping in.
All right, guys, a few more minutes, though, there before I sign off. So if anybody else wants to jump in and get one more, two more thoughts out here. Uh, Desmond Watson, I'll give him a little shout-out, too. I didn't play a whole lot out there, but when he did, uh, he got noticed. I mean, it's hard not to notice Desmond Watson, but he's also out there uh, making a play when he's out there. So good for him getting his feet wet and making a play for these Gators uh, as uh, as well. But as I said, I'll go back one more time. I'm going to give these veterans that uh, – <clears throat> Look, I was even told, you know, we talked about running backs a couple weeks ago on the podcast and when we were doing the preseason talk and, you know, some of these uh, players get to talk and, you know, Malik Davis getting mentioned. I was like, oh, we, we need to move on. I, don't, I couldn't tell you how many times I was told we need to move on from Malik Davis. I wasn't willing to do so. I'm a big Malik Davis fan. I'll probably hang on too much to 2017. <laughs> you know, it was the, the one good thing in 2017 was probably Malik Davis. Uh, maybe I'll I, I hang on too much, but I was not ready to give, him Malik, give up on Malik Davis. I was you know, glad to see what he was able to bring to the table. Uh <clears throat> I know it was versus FAU, but at least the running back went out there and showed the capability, and at least he showed that somewhat of the 2017 form there. Uh, so yeah, I'm really, really glad that uh, Malik Davis went out there and showed out uh, and, and did what he did. So, all right, let me bring uh, Charlie in here. <clears throat> all right, Charlie, uh, unmute your mic. If, hey, you go. uh, good morning. I was just going to ask, so we should expect to see the similar type of game plan this week, uh, I guess, going into USF, you know, uh, splitting up the quarterbacks, just really seeing who's going to have the hot hand before we go to Alabama. I believe, you know, that would probably be the similar um, expect, you know, and also seeing a lot of those transfers get a lot of reps there on the D line was also good to see as well. Yeah, that's one more aspect of the game I want to go deeper into. I thought initially – you know, FAU and Muller mentioned it too. Bobby Feaster, famine running the ball, it was either a game for zero or a game for 10. <laughs> it was just kind of inconsistent there uh, as far as run run game goes. And Florida was bringing in a whole bunch of defensive tackles, rotating those guys in and out uh, as well. So I want to I want to look at more Newkirk and Shelton. Initially, I think uh, – or Valentino, I'm sorry. Uh, initially, I think Valentino had a pretty good game. Newkirk, I need to go back and look at what he did. I don't remember his name flashing too much. Uh, there, but you know, look, you're a defensive tackle, so it's more about can you eat double teams? Uh, can you push an offensive lineman back and disrupt the play? Those are the things I'll be looking for. Not necessarily tackle numbers. You're not going to see those guys get a whole bunch of tackle numbers. But what did you do to help uh, Brenton Cox? What did you do to help Zachary Carter? Zachary Carter mentioned that after the game. He's like, look, I got these sacks, I got these numbers, but it was because those guys in the middle helped me do my job. So that's the things I think when we go back there and and, and apply our outlook on those defensive tackles. What did they do to help Chris Bogle make his sack? God, Jeremiah Moon get in the backfield. Zachary Carter get the backfield. Those were the things I'm going to look at from those guys as well. Going back to your quarterback question, uh, you know, the, the game plan for this week versus USF and how much do we see? I think we see both a lot. I, I really do. Uh, is that much like we saw, you get two – you know, I pretty much even said going into last week, uh, and it was just a guess on my part. I thought we would see Emory first couple of drives and then get AR in third or fourth drive of the game. That's exactly what we got. Uh, and I, I completely expect more of that too. It uh, may be – and uh, maybe this is more of a uh, moving toward a 50-50 approach. I, I don't know, basically off what we saw last week. I don't, you can't keep Anthony Richardson off the field a whole lot just because of what he brings to the table. Even And this, this is me saying this if Emory Jones played good versus Florida Atlantic. 
uh, Saturday night. Anthony Richardson still brings a different element to this offense, still brings a different explosion to this offense. So, you know, good good or bad, Emory Jones, uh, Anthony Richardson, to me, still has to play just because of the explosion, the big playability he brings to the table. So I do expect after we saw Anthony Richardson go out there and prove that he can hit some big plays uh, with his legs and, and, and complete a pass down the field as well, that now defenses will have to worry about that you go and still play Anthony Richardson a good bit just because he's there. he's an asset to the offense. Uh, no matter the quarterback battle, no matter the quarterback position, no matter what happens with Emory Jones, Anthony Richardson is still uh, a legit threat at quarterback to go out there and make a big play happen. Like Tim Tebow said, Anthony Richardson's going to be a freak. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and he, he's definitely going to be and maybe more of a freak as the season goes on. We'll, we'll see how it all plays out. Uh, one more time before I wrap it up, I expect Emory Jones to play better. That is not that is not indicative of Emory Jones I think we'll see. Uh, from when, I'm not saying he's going to go out there and, and raise his level of play to – to be, uh, you know, a Heisman contender the rest of the season or anything, but he's gonna play better. He's gonna improve uh, for, for, from this game one. Hopefully, you know, all the mental side of it, you know, he can he can handle that. Just look, he's gonna hear it all week. Uh, he's gonna hear it from. I mean, I don't, I don't think he's listening to Gators Breakdown or anything, but he's gonna, you know, if he did, he'd hear me. He'd be hearing it from people like me, the radios, different podcasts out there, Twitter, social media. It's gonna be out there. Uh, so you know, can he shut it out? Uh, and, you know, I, I think uh, Emory Jones, he, we'll see a, a different Emory Jones on Saturday. Uh, I, I really expect it. Now, I don't know how good, but I, and don't get me wrong, he can – a lot of people will say, well, he can only go up from what we saw on, on Saturday night. And, but I, I expect uh, Emory Jones to, to, to play better Saturday. Uh, Anthony Richardson, I think, will will get his, get his feet wet, and I think he'll improve his self as well uh, from week one to week two. So – and then Mullen may not want to call it a quarterback battle, may not want to call it a quarterback controversy, but at least out there for uh, much of Gator Nation, it is. <laughs> we'll see where it goes uh, from here. But all right, guys. Uh, man, this was fun. This was fun. First time we got to do this after a game. Uh, I really enjoy this Twitter spaces. Thank you guys for uh, hopping on, making the interaction all good. Great. We'll get it, uh, like I said, every Monday. We'll do this every Monday morning. Uh, at, at, during the season. So we'll have a game to talk about. We'll do it on Friday as well. So be on the lookout Friday morning uh, for another Twitter Spaces as we'll look ahead more to the USF game. Whatever notes we get out coming throughout this week, uh, we'll discuss as well. But a lot of fun we'll have here. We'll get it right down with this, uh, these Twitter Spaces. I'll put it back out there uh, for everybody who was not able to catch it live, catch the replay version uh, out there. So if you haven't done so yet, go check out Gators Breakdown. Uh, had the uh, game review episode up where I talked much more about a lot of the stuff we talked about here. Uh, that's out there right now on YouTube, your podcast platform. Uh, if you join Gators Breakdown Plus, there was a call-in show much like this one for Gators Breakdown Plus members. So uh, another plus how I do post-game shows this year. So one benefit of Gators Breakdown Plus uh, will be a, a live post-game uh, after the game, kind of like this right here. So, all right, now to do it, I am David Waters. You can follow me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SDC. I'll let you guys later in the week.